about a spiritual strength that comes from God. You know, people always say, you know, in the Bible it says God will never give us more than we can handle. I'm here to tell you, it never says that. Not in one spot. I remember the first time I read through the Bible, I was shocked. I was looking for it. I wanted to be able to highlight it and underline it. Maybe memorize the address. It's not in there. And the reason it's not in there is because as... Jack Nicholson told Tom Cruise and a few good men, we can't handle the truth. One of the biggest spiritual downfalls we face in contemporary society is that we're too confident. We have confidence that tomorrow we'll eat, we'll sleep in a bed, we'll breathe. Existing isn't a battle for us, but when it comes to spiritual battles, overconfidence will take us out. Today, we find out how God wins that war for us if we take his side. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 10, with part one of our message entitled, The Messy Warrior. So here we are, we're at the very last week here in the book of Ephesians, our very last study in this Life is Messy series, and it's been An interesting journey, has it not? As we've gone through and we've seen all these different ways in which life is messy. And and our kind of tagline for our study is, life is messy, but don't worry, because Jesus is real. And with each turn, with each little nuance to the messiness of life and the reality of who Jesus is, we keep finding ourselves encouraged and hopeful and reminder and, and, and being reminded that although things can be kind of a mess, God is the God over the mess. And so much of our joy in life comes from the ability to trust God in the midst of the mess. Whether it's the beginning of Ephesians chapter 1, and we're reminded that our understanding of God is messy because God reveals himself to humanity as one God in three persons. That's kind of messy, isn't it? People have been arguing about that and will continue to until we know everything as we are known. We realize that we're messy, that we were lost and God because of his grace, found us. And when he found us, he said, not only are you messy, but you're also my work of art, my workmanship by grace. And we looked at the messiness of racial tensions. Remember in Ephesians chapter 2 and 3 that there was the division between Jew and Gentile. But God is the God over that mess as well. All the different ways we divide ourselves, but God is sovereign over that mess. And then we moved into the more practical sections of Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, those application sections. And we learned how we should have Jesus' style in the mess, that we should put off the old way of living and put on this new life. We learned how we ought to walk, 
by walking in love and in light and in wisdom and in the spirit, how we walk in the midst of the mess. And then to get it really practical, we started looking at marriages. Do you remember what we found? That marriage is a total mess. But God calls us in the midst of that mess to get on our knees before the Lord and say, Lord, teach me how to love. Teach me how to submit right where God wants us. We looked at the messes between parents and kids. That's a mess, isn't it? Yeah. But Jesus is Lord over the mess. We looked at employers and employees. One of the greatest stressors in our culture, of course, is that. How do I deal with my job? How do I deal with my, the people I'm responsible for as employees? And you would think that with all of that being covered, you would think, okay, we've nailed everything. But there's still one more study for us. Because the last reality that the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, gives us is very disconcerting. It's scary. And it's the reality that we are in a spiritual battle as well. Part of the messiness of our lives is that it's not only relational, it's not only human to human issues. There is a spiritual battle that rages and has been raging since the beginning of time. And we are part of that battle, whether we are cognizant of it or not. You are in the midst of a spiritual battle that has nothing to do with the person sitting next to you, the person opposite you. There is another dimension where a battle reigns that is as real as what we experience every day, although we may never be conscious of it. And that's where the Apostle Paul, his last area that he addresses in the reality that life is messy is that spiritual battle. And so we're going to spend some time there. So open up in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. We're going to be picking up in verse 10. Ephesians 6, picking up in verse 10. And we're going to be taking it all the way to the end of the chapter today. If you're new or if you didn't bring a Bible, there's Bibles on the seats in front of you, right in the pews in front of you. We want you to read along. I think it's very, very important. We live in a day and age where there's so much information. There's so many people with so many opinions. And I do not want today to be an, another example of just another person with an opinion in the court of a million opinions. So you say, oh, well, so what's the difference? We're going to study the scriptures today. We're going to study God's word. And so we're going to go straight through verse 10 to 24. And I'm going to Make sure that we stick to the Bible. When you start talking about the spiritual battle that rages, there's a lot of fun ideas that people bring up, but they very rarely have any foundation in biblical reality. And so we're going to stay as close to the Bible as possible. Why? Because I believe God doesn't tell us everything about the spiritual battle, but he tells us exactly what we need to know. And everything else that's outside of what I would consider to be God's revealed word it's cool. It gives us something to chew on, but it may not have much nutritional value for us as believers. So we're going to stay as close to the scriptures as possible. So let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 6, picking up in verse 10. It says, finally, 
my brethren. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, Paul begins with the word finally, which is a concluding statement. Now, the Apostle Paul, unlike most of us preachers, when he says, finally, normally lands the plane. I learned at a younger age not to say finally until I'm finally ready to finish. Isn't that the most terrifying thing when the pastor's like, and in conclusion, and you know he's got about four in conclusion statements, and it just goes on. So the Apostle Paul says, finally, because it's time to land the plane now. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So this teaches us, be strong. It's a spiritual battle. Be strong. It's a spiritual battle. That's where we start here. And the encouragement, the imperative, the command is that as the brethren, as the family of God, we be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So this is about a spiritual strength that comes from God. You know, people always say, you know, in the Bible, it says God will never give us more than we can handle. I'm here to tell you, it never says that, not in one spot. I remember the first time I read through the Bible, I was shocked. I was looking for it. I wanted to be able to highlight it and underline it, maybe memorize the address. It's not in there. And the reason it's not in there is because, as Jack Nicholson told Tom Cruise and a few good men, we can't handle the truth. We're not strong enough to be able to handle these lies. And you know what the beauty is? At the moment that we can't handle it, that's where God's strength becomes manifest in our lives. So when you're at the edge, 
of what you can handle, that's where God has to show up and where he does show up. Our biggest struggle as 21st century people in America is we've gotten socialized to think I can handle everything. I got it. Just put it on my back and watch me carry the team. No, see, that's our biggest problem because we trust in ourselves. And it's not wrong to have confidence in yourself as long as you realize where our confidence has to end and our faith in God has to begin. And for the gospel-centered believer in Jesus, whatever we are confident in ourselves, our confidence really comes from the Lord because we realize we can't do it. We can't do it. It doesn't say, brethren, be strong in yourselves and in your own power. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We need to develop the spiritual muscles to be able to say, I'm strong in the Lord. My power is derived from him who is all-powerful. And that's a hard step for us, isn't it? Because we like being self-sufficient. We like being individually strong. We like being self-confident. But when we are strong in the Lord and in his power, that's where the magic happens. Because then God will use us in things we would never even dream of being involved in. God would call us to do things that like, dude, I would never do that. And the Lord's like, you're right. That's why I want to use you. Think of Gideon. Gideon was hiding out, threshing wheat in a cave. And the Lord's like, I want to use you to deliver the children of Israel from the Midianites. He's like, who, me? Seriously, Lord? And he's like, I'm the least of the least of the least. What do I got going on? The Lord's like, nothing. You got nothing going for you. Think about the Lord when he called Moses. I mean, talk about a guy who had nothing going for him. He was on the lamb. He was running because he was a murderer. He stuttered. And the Lord's like, I'm going to use you as my mouthpiece. He's like, talking about my gender, you know. It was rough for him. But God takes someone who doesn't have the wherewithal and fills them with the spirit. Now crazy stuff happens. So if you're here today being like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm that gal. I don't feel like I got a lot going on. Then you are a prime candidate for God to use you. Because when God uses someone who does not feel that they have a lot going for them, they'll never take the credit. When God uses someone who's way out of their league and something good goes on, you're just like, Dude, wasn't that crazy? Because if not, you'd be like, yeah, of course God used me. I mean, I am so gifted, schooled, great pedigree, handsome, beautiful, charismatic. See, none of those things. The Lord uses a person when they're strong in him. And our true strength is found in Christ. Now, because we need to be strong in the Lord and in his power, then notice what it says next. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So he's saying, look, because it's a spiritual battle, you need to get armored up. We need to suit up. We need to be ready for battle. Now, I'm going to talk about the armor in a second. So we're going to table all the discussions. We're going to get into all the little pieces of the armor and why they're there and why we use them and all these things. But notice, why do we get armored up? Why do we suit up that we may be able to deal with the schemes or the wiles 
of the devil. Do you realize that the devil's a schemer? He's got schemes against everybody. And what's interesting about the way the devil works is he's got a unique scheme against each one of us. He knows your weaknesses. I mean, you get it from the book of Job, chapter 1, where the Lord is boasting about this man, Job. He said, have you considered my servant Job? Because Job was a righteous guy. He was following the Lord. He was honoring the Lord. And, and, and Satan says, yeah, I studied him. The word in the Hebrew is, I strategized against him as a military would. Do you realize that Satan knows all your buttons? He knows exactly how to get in, in each person's heart. He's been doing it for a long time. With doubt, with fear, with discouragement, with pride. Satan's a schemer. And the only way you and I stand strong in the battle is by putting on the whole armor of God. That's the only way. See, and what's amazing is, is each one of us has areas, if you look at your history, there are certain grooves in our hearts, certain areas of rebellion that keep coming up over and over and over again. And it's that one, it's like, it's like our kryptonite. You guys, Superman, everyone know the reference? Superman, he was a super dude, except when kryptonite was around, and then he was a weakling. Kryptonite kept Superman from being amazing. And guess what? Each one of us has got some kryptonite. There are certain things at the right time in your heart and in my heart that renders us weak, and Satan knows it. And he sets the stage for each one of us. Oh, yeah, this, when this happens, and this happens, this happens, and then boom, we're off the rails. And make no mistake about it, Satan's a schemer. And he's looking to rip us off. Now, I know some of you are thinking to yourself, oh, come on, this is like some crazy mythology. You believe in, in a spiritual realm? You believe in, a, I mean, you believe in the devil? I mean, come on, how, you know, this is the 21st century. We're way smarter than that. And I'm just here to tell you, if that's you, you need to just read. You need to start studying. Because quantum physicists, they're already talking about the fact that there's way more dimensions than just three. This is way deep in the way people are thinking right now. So it's not like some sort of, oh, yeah, it's like it's only, uh, it's only what I can touch. We all know that it's not, oh, what I can touch or what I can see. We all know that. So we need to take seriously the spiritual realm. Look what the Apostle Paul says. Look at this. He says, verse 12, and this is important, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. When he says flesh and blood, that's Hebrew for human. We do not wrestle just against humanity, but notice all these against, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. See, we need to get suited up. We need to get armored up because we're in a spiritual battle and there's all sorts of categories of menace that we're battling against. Not only do we have the devil who's kind of the ringleader of all this, but you have things like rulers or powers, principalities, those with authority, the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. See, all of these are types or rankings or way to explain the spiritual realm, what we would call the demonic, 
those created angels who rebelled against God with Lucifer. They're real. They're real. Now, when you realize, because the Bible teaches that there is a spiritual realm and there's a battle going on, what we have to remember is that if we're fighting people, we're fighting the wrong battle. If you're fighting people, you are fighting the wrong battle. The battle is not won when we defeat people. The battle is won when we fight the good fight in the spiritual realm. How do I know? Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You get that? The weapons of our warfare are not fleshly. They're not carnal. But they're mighty in God for the tearing down of strongholds. See, when we realize that it's not only people, but it's the influence and the power behind some of what goes on, then we engage ourselves in a battle that is way deeper and way more disconcerting than just having an interpersonal issue. Way deeper. So we need to be strong because we're in a spiritual battle. Now, look at what happens. From there, we have verse 13 begins with the word therefore, which means what? What's it there for? You guys are good. When you see the word therefore, you always say, what's it there for? Or if you're British, you say, wherefore the therefore. It's a concluding word. That's what it's there to do. It's there to say, because we need to be strong, because we're in a spiritual battle, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore. Now, I stopped right there for a reason. You notice this stand, stand, withstand. So when the Holy Spirit is redundant or when there's a glitch in the matrix and you keep hearing the same word again, that gives us the foundation for what we need to do. The idea of standing literally means to hold your ground. Now think about that. We're not told to advance. We're told to hold our ground. Why? Because the battle's already won. Do you realize the battle's already won? The victory flag hit the ground. Like when a, a nation goes against a nation, they land on the beach, they put their flag in the ground. They're saying, look, we've won. When the tomb was empty on the third day, we won right there. So we are more than conquerors through him who loved us because the battle's already won. Our job is to stand our ground, to stay strong. To not be afraid because the battle belongs to the Lord and he already won it. Now, the battle's not some sort of military victory. It's the battle for souls of people for eternity. Jesus is real. Paul began this part of Ephesians 6 encouraging believers to be strong in the Lord and put on the whole armor of God. Pastor Daniel emphasized what Paul was telling us to guard against in this spiritual battle, which is against principalities and powers that are far darker 
than we can comprehend. We can't handle the lies and darkness that come from this place, but God can show up and will show up to defend us. Thanks, Josh. Pastor Daniel would like to invite you to join him each day on Facebook for his two-minute messages. Pastor Daniel shares from his heart and God's Word in a way that will impact your life. It's the perfect way to inject a little bit of Jesus into your routine. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links to the two-minute messages. Now, here's Josh with a preview of what Pastor Daniel will be covering in the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Jesus Is Real Radio as we continue looking at how Paul encourages believers to put on the whole armor of God. When our faith is under fire, we're to stand as a prayerful and armored warrior. We know who wins the war, but as individuals, we have to make a choice about whose side we'll stand on. Pastor Daniel will take us through the picture Paul paints of spiritual warfare. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Daniel will continue sharing with us from the book of Ephesians. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.